live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. It's just embarrassing. I don't know why the high voice ever. What's happened? Like the last couple of weeks, you've been like randomly critiquing your own voice during our rejoins. Just it's embarrassing. I I don't know what happened. This is the press box. He's just doing his own self-critique. He's just listening to these rejoins, oh, disgusted in his own voice, apparently. Yeah. The only thing I'm not disgusted is whacking that thing around, because it is me. With Grady and Bischoff. Literally, it's the exact same. Exactly. It's, it's the exact same. Ed was, a, uh, was an actor at one point. He could never voices. <laughs> Child actor. On ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, whacking that thing around. Here we go. Whacking that thing around. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Jared walked to work today. He did. That kid looked like he was going through a blizzard. <laughs> I walked to work this entire week. Yes, but it's very cold today. Yeah, yes. it's not great. This is the day you came in with the ski mask on. Had one yesterday. <laughs> Had the ski mask. It's very cold. Yeah. How long's the walk? I, it's not that long of a walk, depending on the stoplight next to the Seven Eleven. You're down by the Seven Eleven. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a jaunt. It's not that bad. No. No. No, it's 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 fairly close. I just you know it's cold. Do you when have the wind to go you. by the Seven Eleven, or do you choose to go by the Seven Eleven to buy an energy drink? Uh yes, All to right. both of those. All right. Wind's whipping up. That's when it gets really cold. That's why I got did, the ski mask. Did Although the Seven Eleven doesn't seem real happy about the ski mask, don't <laughs> probably not. No, I can I can see why. But they're always confused whenever I'm like setting things on the counter and trying to hand them cash. If you if you work at a Seven Eleven, would you rather see a guy walk in with a ski mask on, or like you saw in L.A., the guy with the samurai sword? I think the ski mask. To be yeah. honest with All you, right. I think the ski mask. Guy might just like a samurai sword. Ski mask, a little dangerous, Jared. Hiding your identity. Did anyone see the snow yesterday? Yeah. Oh, you did. Uh huh. It snowed? Yeah. yeah. I kept seeing pictures of it, and my wife said at the house there were like, I mean, it doesn't stick at all, but they were like, she went outside and it was flurries. The only snow I saw was Ryan Wallace from Pahrump tweeting out yes. a picture of his chickens in the snow. Yes. yes. <laughs> the <laughs> first bite. He lives in a country. <laughs> How good should we expect the Raiders' defense to be in 20? 20- 22. How many do you think the notable free agents, and I don't know this because I don't know Dave Ziegler well enough to know what he thinks of anybody, and it's the first time where he's a completely full-time GM, but you'd have down here that they're going to lose the fourth most war in free agency if all these, I assume it means if all these guys go. Right, so Pro Football Focus basically has a, hey, for every team, a ranking uh, based on their war stat. They came up with their own wins above replacement. And current free agents, or I guess guys that will be free agents once free agency starts, the Raiders are going to lose the fourth most war. Obviously, if you re-sign all your free agents, you don't lose that. But they stand to lose the fourth most wins above replacement from free agency. Which, I, by the way, I thought that was interesting because they don't lose a quarterback, right? And well, quarterbacks, quarterbacks tend, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> quarterbacks tend to carry the most value right. in terms of war. Uh, and like offensively, they don't really lose much significance. Like Richie Incognito might be their most notable free agent. He didn't play last year, but if you look defensively, they lose Casey Hayward, who was very good for them last year. 
they lose pretty much all of their, their interior uh, defensive yeah. tackle starts or snaps last year, right. right? So you're looking at Jonathan Hankins, Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson. Like they lose a, they lose basically everything on the interior of that defensive line, and they lose some linebacker spots too, like KJ Wright's out there. So there's a good chunk of this defense that is now hitting free agency, and so. You know, the first bite question is how good do we expect the defense to be? I don't think anybody can answer that no, question. Uh, we have no idea how many of these guys are going right. to resign. Because A, we don't know what the roster looks like. We don't know who, like you said, who does Ziegler think is good from those free agents? Who does he want to keep? Who does he think, nope, no thank you, no interest in that? But on top of that, it's not just a new front office, it's a new coaching staff. And mm-hmm. Patrick Graham's coming in as the new defensive coordinator. So basically everything could be new and we have kind of no expectations for next year because for the longest time, the expectation was the defense is going to be bad and it was bad last year. It was better. I think they got up to 17th in DVOA. uh, I think pro football focus had them as the 20th best defense overall. So slightly below average defense, but better than, you know, 28th, 30th that they had been for the past like decade. Uh, but I don't know what to, I don't know what we should put as expectations, and I'll be curious to see not only who Dave Ziegler and the Raiders try to re-sign from last year's team that are free agents, but like who they go after and how big of a priority right. is defense in the offseason? Because we've talked a lot about needs and you know wide receivers out the there, offensive, offensive line. line is out there, but yeah. defensively, I, I'm I'm curious to see what do they go out of their way to address first? Do they go after a big name corner? Do they try to get a high price defensive tackle? Do they try to get better linebackers, better say, like, I'm curious what they're going to put as a priority. And that'll probably help us shape our actual expectations. for. Next I year. think we'll both agree on this of the names you put out there. If you said, okay, you can only have one. I would take Casey Hayward. Is that too obvious? Um, I mean, you've got three interior guys, which if you lose all three interior guys, that might be bad, too, because then you're right. really rebuilding the defensive right. line. That was that was my only thought to push back on Casey Hayward is that you don't have any defensive yes. tackles. You have a really moment. good corner, and there's no one inside <laughs> to be to push anybody. I will say on the on the defensive tackles, the nose tackles, we still don't know exactly what defense Patrick Graham is running. Um, That's true. He's run a, in his career, I don't know this, but other people that have written about it, in his career, he's run 4-3, three, 3-4. Three, he's run a variety of different things. 3-4's been the rumored, right, what they're going to do, which maybe one of those guys, Hankins, Thomas, Jefferson, could be a 3-4 defensive tackle. But generally speaking, it's a different type of player that you bring in compared to a 4-3 defensive tackle. So a lot of that might have to do on what the uh, what Patrick Graham wants to do with this defense, how he wants to line them up, and maybe you it, may, it might end up being a good thing that they have enough turnover if they're going to change the defense, just the formation, the scheme of it, dramatically enough. I thought it was interesting that Patrick Graham said one of the first things he did was call Max Crosby and say, don't believe what you read. <laughs> don't worry about it. You'll be fine. You're well, our best defensive player. Don't worry about it. Because here's what happened. Max Crosby has a breakout season, mm-hmm. right? Pro Football Focus has him as the number two defensive end in football. He does it as a 4-3 defensive end. Patrick right. Graham gets hired. People are like, well, Patrick so Graham likes three, to four. run a 3-4. Now you're you're in a completely new role, right? right. Is Max Crosby going to be able to play well? Is he going to translate to that? So if you're Patrick Graham, you're like, all right, the most important player on this defense, and the people are saying he might not be comfortable. Yeah, I'm going to call that guy and tell yes. him. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry. We're going to figure out how to make sure you're good. You're good at this sport, and we're going to figure out how to make sure you continue to be good at this sport, which on Max Crosby. Should he get an extension this offseason? We talk a lot about Derek Carr, one year left on his deal. 
Max Crosby also has one year left on his rookie yeah. contract. Well, they have to use the tag at some point, right? I mean, you don't have to. I mean, to, they'll have to, but I mean, it's out there for They've never used it, right? I believe the Raiders have never no, I tagged don't think they anybody. Have. Yeah. He might be an option, though, especially if you want to go one more season. Let's say they are playing the 3-4, and you don't really know how he's going to fit, even though he's Let's their see. best defensive yeah. player. Let's see, and then... You know, maybe you have to franchise tag him the next year. I kept thinking, I kept saying that I still believe they're going to franchise him and, and, and not others. If there's anyone out there that they would franchise tag, it would be him. I guess it depends. Like, that all depends on what Crosby's asking for. Because Max, because here's the thing Max Crosby has been in the NFL for three seasons, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he's been a good NFL player all three seasons, right? His rookie year was, oh, wow. They got, a, sacks. Mid, they got a mid-round pick. They got to 10 right. sacks, right? Second year was was another solid season, but then last year was the year where he was, you know, top 10 in pressures in the entire league, and it was a, only got to eight sacks, but was still a very terrific season for Crosby. So it kind of comes down to, like, is Max Crosby, like, if they sat down right now to have contract extension talks, is Max Crosby asking for, like, top five defensive end money? I would think he would be. And if he is, then I think your route might be reasonable, where you say, okay, well... You're going to play out your rookie contract, and then we're probably going to franchise tag right. you. And you're going to get paid. Right. But I am I am curious, like, would Crosby look at it from a standpoint of like, okay, I've only had, uh, I only had eight sacks last season. Sure, pro football focus loves me. But, like, I do wonder if there's a level of, well, what if I ask for top 20 money instead right. of top five money? And if Crosby asks for top 20 money. Well, then you extend him. You lock him up. Yeah, you lock him up. Right. I just so, don't think that that's viable. Right. And so I, that's that's the curious part because again, you go into this last year of the contract and I mean, I think it's reasonable for Crosby to consider what if they play a 3-4 and what if Crosby's not as good? Like what if he, you know, is a good defensive end but no longer a top 5, top 10 defensive end, right? If that happens, he's going to effectively lose money right. on his next contract is what would happen. So it it's an interesting spot they're in because we don't have like a large, we don't have a, we have a big sample size of Crosby being good. We don't have a big sample size of Crosby being like awesome. Like, Oh yeah, this guy's definitely going to be a top 10 defensive end for the next seven years for his career. That, that could happen, but we don't really have a big enough sample size to say that is. So it's, it's a weird spot to be in where you definitely for the right. like you want to lock up Max Crosby, but I think you're hesitant to do it. If he's asking for top five money at the position, which leads to your idea of, all right, play out the year, and then we'll franchise tag yeah. you, and basically you get two years without a long-term commitment, right. and then you see where he is, and, hey, you are really good. Here's your top five money, right. or, eh, you're okay. We'll give you some money. We'll keep tagging you. <laughs> Which, well, can you do twice, Twice. I think? You okay. can do it twice. So, yeah, tag him twice. Yeah, so, in reality, I mean, they could end up with three seasons of Max Crosby. Without Granted, extending him for a long-term deal. He would make a lot of money on yes, those tags. Yes, I think it's isn't it? It's top five on average. Yeah, I think that's what so it is. So you're paying him a lot of money, regardless. But there's no long term. There's no long term commitment. commitment. And exactly. If he doesn't work out after one of those years, you don't have. You're not stuck with that right. payment for the next five years or whatever. Their injury or something like that. Like the team is protected by the franchise tag. Which, by the way, how the hell did the franchise tag get into the <laughs> NFL into the CBA? Mix. What? What? <laughs> Who came up with this idea of we can just force you? You're not you don't have a contract anymore, but we're just going to brand you for a year. You're ours. We'll pay you a lot for one year. A lot of money. You didn't agree to this, but you're ours for a year without ever actually signing a contract. How the hell did that get it? What did the players get to get that into the CBA? Should it had to be something good? Yeah. 
franchise that tax I don't know. sucks for players. Oh, like, it's uh, yeah, it sucks. They make a lot of money, but there's but, just no long-term commitment. Right. Well, it sucks for players because the guys that get franchise tagged are going to be making that money anyways. If the franchise True. tag didn't exist, they'd be signing yes. a long-term deal with that money attached. It's not like they're franchise tagging Marcus Mariota and he's going from seven million a year to, to 10, thirty-eight or to thirty. Exactly. Right. It's it's guys like Crosby who you know, that guy's going to get paid. He's going to get paid yeah. anyway. Like, what is is Kirk Cousins the best franchise tag success story? Where he got tagged yeah. twice and then yes. ended up getting uh, the big deal from Minnesota, yes. like worked out well for him. But it's that's kind of a crappy, just general idea of yeah, we don't have a contract. You're still gonna play for us, though. You don't have a we'll choice. We'll pay to a lot, through. but it's only gonna be for one year. You're still gonna play for us, no choice. Um, let me ask you this other thing on the Raiders and the off season. Give me a percentage chance they extend, uh, pick up the fifth year option on Cleveland Furl or Jonathan Abram. Percentage or would I do it? Percentage that they do it. Ten percent for not both 5%. of them. I, I I just I don't. I think it's I mean, zero. I don't think. And you put Josh Jacobs too. If you gave me a choice, I wouldn't pick up any of them. I wouldn't either. I I would not. I, I wouldn't pick up any yeah. of them. So all of them are in a contract for next year. But the way rookie contracts work, there's a fifth year op- first rounders. There's a fifth year option, but you have to pick it up in the off season before their fourth year starts. Right. So you have to make that decision. Um, I wouldn't do it for any of them. I, I don't think any of them are going to provide enough value on that fifth year option that you, you worry about paying them because the, the, the contract there or the amount you pay them goes up quite a bit Yes, for that fifth year. Yeah. yeah. They'll all be somewhere around 10 million. I'd include Jacobs. Yeah. I, I wouldn't pick up any of them. Uh, I'd be stunned if they, if this new regime came in and picked up Furl or Abram, I think I'm. Totally on board with either. I do think I wouldn't pick up Jacobs. I think they do. I think he's the most likely, but I still I'm curious to see how much the Ziggler McDaniels regime kind of looks at it and says, eh, it's a running back. It's not that valuable. Because, I mean, you look at the running backs the Patriots have tended to use over the yeah. years. It's uh, They'll bring back guys, but never on big deals, right? It's guys that are really cheap. I mean, hell, the Rex, Rex Burkhead was in New England right. for a while. That was one of their, like, three running backs they used. Well, Garrett Blunt got cut by another team, yeah. and they went, 20 bucks? So if I had to bet, I bet they don't pick up any three of them. I, I'd be, I think they let all three play their fourth year and, and then they're done with them. That, that'll be it. And they'll go from there. Coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA because Kyrie Irving might be able to play in every game. I don't see a scenario where I personally right now I don't see a scenario where LeBron James is bolting the Lakers for the Cavaliers. I, I don't see that scenario now. Could he retire one day on a, on a, one one day contract as a member of the Cavs, sure. But as of right now, LeBron James, from everything I've been told, his plan is to be a Laker. His plan is to be a Laker uh, for for the foreseeable future and ride this out. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. This is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Coming up later in the show, we've got tickets to give away both to NASCAR, Pennzoil 400, coming to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and to the Mountain West Tournament. So stay tuned. We've got tickets coming your way. What are you giggling about over there? Oh, just, I know we'll get to it. The LeBron stuff with Bronny is, oh. to me, it's funny. Yeah, well, we I mean, can do funny. that right now. Where, all right, so here's LeBron James. Here's what he said earlier this week. Wherever Bronny is at, that's where I'll be. I would do whatever it takes to play with my son for one year. It's not about the money at that point. Now, the timing here 
LeBron is a free agent after the 2022-2023 season. He's got one more year in L.A. after this one. Uh, his son will not be eligible for the NBA draft until the following season. So he's got two more years after this one that he's got to play before his son is eligible to be drafted. And he's only under contract for one more season. Um, but I mean, listen, we all love the idea of a team drafting Bronny just because they know they're going to get LeBron James. That was, I mean, he said, I'll be where Bronny is. What if Bronny's at Cal state Fullerton? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) He's getting drafted. I mean, oh, he, if 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 it's assumed, no matter how old his dad is at that point, three years down the road, that his dad will come to you. And he also said, uh, right there, it's not about the money, which it shouldn't be. He's almost he's you know close to if not being a billionaire at this point. Then if I know that I get him for at least one year, like I'll take Bronny. Absolutely. I mean, if J.R. Uh, Smith taught us anything, you can always go back to college <laughs> <laughs> and golf. Uh, Here's the, the interesting part of this, though. LeBron James, he's averaging 29, 8, and 6 this year. Like, the Lakers aren't any good, and maybe there's some concerns that good LeBron's not translating to wins for the first time ever. ever. Right? Like, every time LeBron's good, his team's good, and this time they're not. But, like, LeBron's still really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And, yeah, age is, is going to catch up to him. But it's pretty easy to project two years from now. LeBron's still going to be a good player. Like LeBron's still going to be a helpful championship contender. And if you're a team that can have two actual, like, let's say, max superstars on your roster and you find a way to draft Bronny and then you get LeBron James like, hey, he's going to play on the veterans minimum because this team's out of salary cap space. And And he wants to play with Bronny. Bronny's there. You're winning an NBA title. Regardless of how many minutes Bronny plays. <laughs> Bronny. So, okay, that's the other part of this. Let's that he's just, not good enough? Well, okay, I don't know how good he's going to be in two years for the NBA. Let's just say he's a second-round pick, just for the, the sake okay. of this argument. Let's just say he's worthy of a second-round pick, right? He'd get drafted. He'd have a shot to make the NBA, but certainly not a star. How high would you actually draft him? Oh, man, that's a great question. Like, is he going first overall because LeBron James is coming to play for Oklahoma City for one year? I might do it. I, I, I guess, look, we don't know who the first overall pick would be in three years. And I mean, it's not going to be LeBron, but it might be a kind of generational player. But uh, I don't know if I'd go one. Uh, but I mean, then again, I'm going to say I would take him in the first round. If I abs- I mean, if the deal was made and I absolutely knew oh. LeBron was coming, you'd have to have the deals made. He's he signed. It's over um, with the uh, with the assumption or the agreement that you would pick Bronny. I might just take Bronny. I don't think he's getting to 10. I don't think he's getting right. outside the top 10 because he, here's, because here's the conversation. It kind of depends a lot on what the actual draft class is, looks like that yeah, year. Right. If you have a, um, we'll just use the Zion Williams and John Morant uh, top of the draft class. You're taking Zion or John Morant, right? Like those were two guys that were viewed as like high level prospects, right? right? Obviously Zion can't get on the floor, but you're not taking, I think you're taking those two level of players before you take Bronny for one year of LeBron. However, if it's a draft class, what's a good, ex- if, if it's an Anthony Bennett draft class where there's no consensus, number one, and a team is like, well, I guess we'll take Anthony Bennett from UNLV, right? If it's that kind of draft class, oh, you're taking Bronny first. There's no doubt about it. You're taking, if, if, it, if you're looking around saying, eh, nobody really knows who the best player in this draft is. There might be some role players. You're taking in here. Bronny. He was the fourth leading scorer in Sierra Canyon <laughs> high school. 
You're taking Bronny. But I think there's no way if that if that's legitimate, if LeBron is like and he kind of already has, but if that is official, like LeBron's going where Bronny goes, he does not make it outside of the top ten. I'd be surprised if he makes it outside of the top five. Because very, very rarely do teams look at a draft and say, There are five, you know, potential prospect right. Hall of Famers in this right. class that are there are five guys that can change our organization. In for the next a 10 couple years. of seasons, yes. right, right away. Whereas one season of Bronny and LeBron, that changes your organization short term, but you become like, you know, one of the top three most popular organizations in the NBA for at least a year if LeBron and Bronny. I mean, I want this to happen more than anything. Oh, 100%. I, I want them to slay together and to see what it would look like. And LeBron telling the coach, please put Bron- Bronny in now. The game's <laughs> out of hand. Bronny, Bronny won't turn the ball over. I don't know how. Look, I've, I've seen him play. Um, I don't think you watch him now and say, oh, he's, you know, he's surefire NBA player. But I think by then he'd be f- more than fine to be on the bench and be a bench player. And, and, and to, for the idea that you get the dad, then I would do it. Let me ask you this. So going off the hypothetical that Bronny is a, a second round pick, right? That he's, he's right. got some NBA level competence here. Would you want to go play with your dad? When your dad's LeBron James, or would you rather be like, "Hey, just let me be a second round pick"? And I don't and... know because I don't know completely their relationship. I think he might want to play with his yeah. dad. I think he might want to play with his dad. Yeah, if based on Space Jam, definitely. <laughs> I think he wants to play with his dad. <laughs> I think we would all find it awesome, and <laughs> yeah, like. Like and we all like Ken Griffey Jr. playing with Ken Griffey Sr. Right. right, like that's something that people look back on and think is awesome. Like the amount of right. times I've seen the clip of uh, oh, Junior the stealing the fly ball from Senior, right, or when they went Sammy back Sosa. to back, right, or when, when they, they went, went back, back, to back to back, like when they went back to back. That's a really cool moment. I don't know if when you're 19 year old Bronny, you really care about. Hey, in 40 years, we're going to look back on a moment of where we hit back to back threes, and it was awesome. I mean, if they do the give and go that he used to do with Dwayne Wade. That is that would be one of the coolest <laughs> things ever. But I don't know if you're 19, you care about that. At 19, you're like, Dad, I'm moving out of the house because I'm going to play in the NBA now. Um, I mean, I, I think that there's a certain level of, Dad, I'm moving into our other house. Well, yes, yes. okay, exactly. <laughs> I'm the getting house away you just from bought you. in Cleveland, <laughs> Oklahoma City. They've got all the draft picks for Bronny's draft That's here, true. so there he's going to Oklahoma. Yeah, City. no, they just they literally are like, we will draft everyone. <laughs> yes. At one point, they're going to have the first 12 picks of a draft, and they're going to draft Bronny everybody. number nine. Yes, and they we, can draft Bronny wherever they want. And with the first through 12th selection, the Kentucky <laughs> basketball <laughs> team has been selected. All right, coming up next, Paul Gutierrez joins the show. Born one for a two and a four, right? And a six, yeah. Okay, so let's say they get a two, four, and a six. Now you're San Francisco. Now you could say Jimmy Garoppolo is unquestionably one of the most popular and respected players in our locker room. Players love playing with him. We have him under contract this year at a very friendly $25 million cap number. And if we play with him this year and we lose him after this year, we're going to get a third round comp pick back in return. So are you better than playing this season with Jimmy while getting Trey the training that he still needs? Or are you better trading him for, let's just call it a two, four and a six? What's the better alternative? You tell me. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from ESPN, Paul Gutierrez. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. Um, We love to talk about quarterbacks and Derek Carr getting traded. I feel like we've probably done that for, you know, 17 (laughs) straight off seasons. But uh, other off season questions for the Raiders 
do you think anybody else gets an extension? Like they've got Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro going in the final years of their deal. Like, is there anybody else you think actually gets an extension this off season? Well, they're, they're all really connected. If, if you pull back and look at the big picture, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not necessarily one thing has to happen for the other, but, but, um, there is a sense that, um, you know, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, they need to take care of those guys, but at the expense of what, right? I mean, do you pay the quarterback first or do you take care of those two guys? And I've been covering this team long enough to remember when it really wasn't that long ago when they took care of Seth Roberts, of Justin Ellis, of Gabe Jackson, oh, yeah, of making Derek Carr the highest-paid player in the history of the game, and that lasted for about a month, uh, all within the offseason of 16 and 17 at the expense of Khalil Mack because, as Mark Davis told me at the time, they had thought that if Khalil Mack was the guy they thought he was, he was going to honor the last year of his contract, which would pay him thir- just over $13 million for that fifth-year option. Then the Raiders would circle back, make him the highest-paid defensive player in history. Khalil Mack balked on it. Uh, he didn't want to play under that. He wanted to raise. He, he was in an arms race, really, with, with uh, Aaron Donald to see who would be the highest-paid defensive player for that season. And the Raiders blinked and traded him. So they've gone through this scenario before where who do you take care of first and inevitably, every road kind of leads back to, well, what are the Raiders going to do with Derek Carr? So sorry to, to come back to that. That's kind of where this whole offseason revolves around is, is the quarterback uh, question. You're Dave Ziegler. What do you do with Derek Carr? Oh, boy. Um, without uh, scooping myself, I do have a, a story coming up tomorrow that looks at there's, there's basically three scenarios, in my opinion. One is. You you take him at his word. I remember you you were you were there at last summer. Mm-hmm. It was the, the day of uh, of summer minicamp when they broke early, and, and Derek said that he would rather go down with the ship. That he was a Raider for life. He'd probably retire before playing for somebody else. Uh, so you you take him at his word, and you say, okay, well if that's the case, and if again you're paraphrasing Mark Davis to me a couple of years ago, uh, if you're the man we think you are, you're going to honor your contract, and then we'll take care of you at the end of it. Instead of, you know, we'll guarantee that remaining 19.8 plus million that's on the on the deal, and let's make this a, a prove it year for everybody involved. Let's see if you like what we do. Let's see what uh, if we like what you do in our system, and we go from there. That to me seems to be the most um, the smartest thing to do. Um, you know, guarantee them up to like 20 million for this year, and then you go because all that guaranteed money is paid out already. That's one path. Another path is to extend them, and I've seen some crazy numbers out there up to 40 million a year. Um, which is, you know is doubling his salary and making him again the highest paid player in the game. Which I, I don't know that if you do that for for a top twelve quarterback. And the third third uh, option to me, third path is if there's somebody that comes and knocks your socks off with with a trade proposal, and you get at least one first rounder, if not two first rounders for him. Then what's the weight there? Because at least you've got some leash from the owner to to go ahead and remake this this uh, this program into your own your own vision, and uh, you go out there and do it. And we did do this a couple of weeks ago with ESPN.com NFL Nation, where uh, we, we offered trades to each other, all the, all the people that cover the certain teams. I accepted a trade from the Washington Commanders. I traded Derek Carr to Washington for their first rounder this year, which is number 11 overall, and a conditional fourth rounder that could turn into a second rounder. Um, I used that number 11 pick to, to draft uh, the guy from Mississippi. And then I uh, re-signed Marcus Mariota, and boom, off and running. So long answer to your short question, but there's three options, in my opinion, that are that are sitting in front of them right now. Look at general manager Paul Gutierrez <laughs> making moves, trading him <laughs> away, drafting Matt Corral. What a day. So, okay, <laughs> the first option there of basically, hey, play out the contract, and then we'll, we'll figure it out next offseason. 
What are the odds Derek Carr would actually hold out? Because I have to imagine his you know, his agent would probably want him to hold out. But what are the odds that Derek Carr would actually hold out from the Raiders and demand a contract extension? I'll, I'll answer that with a question for Ed. Ed, what does Derek always tell us in press conferences? I always tell you the truth. I never lie, right? So I thought I mean, you were going to say his a, word, he, he would say. never hold out. There's no way he would hold out, right? I mean, that's what he has said all along. Now, we know you, you – you parse certain things and you take things out of context. But I went through a lot of a lot of transcripts just to make sure I wasn't hearing wrong. And no, he always says that. So that's why, you know, and you don't want it to get that ugly when, when you're dealing with a franchise quarterback who really has done nothing wrong. And I've said this for, for a long time about Derek Carr. He's not the problem. But you have to wonder, is he the answer? And if you have to ask that question, then you have to do then you do have to wonder, is he the answer? And you go from there. So I don't see him ever holding out per se, but I do see a lot of, of uh, some gnashing of some teeth, some hand-wringing because, yeah, it, it's one of those things. It's the Bob Arum thing, right? Well, yesterday I was lying today. I'm telling you the truth. I thought you were going to say, you said, love the man, hate the sin. But, uh, <laughs> you know. <it's> just, <laughs> That's a good lyric. <laughs> love the man, hate the sin. Uh, what, okay, $40 million, I totally agree with you. Some of these numbers are preposterous. But what if they say, okay, we're going to extend you, but it's going to be reasonable. So what what in your mind's reasonable if they would extend them for, let's say, two years and they, you know, there's an out, like you said, after the first or whatever in terms of let's see how this works. We don't know if you're going to like us. We certainly don't know if we're going to like you. What would be a reasonable number in your mind that he would say, okay, I'll take that um, because, again, I'm a Raider for life and I want to, right. you know, not put them in salary cap hell. Yeah, and then you look back in 2017, and, and what was he asked? Then how does your deal, Derek, which makes you the highest paid player in history at that point in time, help the team? And he said then, well, I made sure that there was money left over to pay for Amari, to pay for Khalil. Um, those guys got traded away if nobody else remembers <laughs> that. But uh, a realistic number to me would be somewhere between 30 and 35 because that's market value, and I don't think anybody could really hate on that. Um, you know, the 40 million that you, I think you took the word right out of my mouth, preposterous, because, and then you look, okay, well, you shoot for the stars and you land on the moon, right? Isn't that the other thing? Um, so maybe that's what the camp wanted. They wanted to leak out a number so high that when they come back down, it seems more reasonable. So 30 to 35 would seem to be, to me, market value for a top 12 quarterback. It's a completely new regime to evaluate these guys, but if you were putting percentage chance on uh, fifth-year options to get picked up this offseason, do you think or how high would it be for Abram, Furl, and Josh Jacobs? I think if you put him in order, I would say that uh, Jacobs would be the first one uh, because you saw how he could play, how he how he could play his first two years and then down the stretch last year. He, he ran angry again. Um, and then I think Abram is, is kind of and Furl, like, I, I, you know, Unless uh, the new defensive coordinator Cunningham can get to, can unlock something there in a three-four scheme, which which I'm real intrigued by, because he's known for running a three-four, and I think uh, I think Cleveland would would uh, benefit from being in the three-four, but at what cost? Because Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby are the prototypical four-three ends, so that to me is something that bears watching this offseason and early in, in training camp to see how what type of looks you're going to get. Because, again, you go back, and, yeah, he's seen as a 3-4 guy, but most defenses these days are run out of the nickel anyway. Uh, correct, if ever, uh, correct us if we're wrong, because we said earlier, I don't know, and Tyler, we didn't know if they had ever used a franchise tag on anyone. We didn't think they had. It seems, though, that 
in a 3-4 to see what Crosby can do, that he seems down the road to be a franchise tag guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I want to say they used it on Charles Woodson back in the day, a couple years in a row, actually. Um, I I think that may actually have been before I started covering the team, and I've been covering him since 05. Um, But, I mean, if you could get him done before and it saves you some salary cap relief, why not do that? But, again, at what – who – Pays the cost of that. Does Derek pay the cost of that? Does, does Hunter Renfro pay the cost of that? Having to sit and wait. You're talking about two guys, and again, this is. I'm not trying to advocate one way or the other, but if you're the arbitrator, you go, oh, okay. Well, we're talking about two Pro Bowlers here, and a guy who hasn't been to the Pro Bowl in a couple of years. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, the franchise tag for a defensive end is going to be significantly higher than for uh, a wide receiver, I think, uh, and a quarterback franchise tag is going to be that much higher. And that goes back to my original point of letting him play out his contract, but guaranteeing the money for this season. And then, then you can dangle, hey, you know, the money's going to be there, $35 million. But then again, you go back and you look at Derek's words. What did he say after the loss? Uh, in, in uh, Actually, it was after they clinched the division or clinched playoff spot against the Chargers when he said uh, he was not into worldly goal. So, again, there's just so many different ways to look at this situation. And if you take people at their word, then it's pretty cut and dry. All right, uh, play the hypothetical game with me. Max Crosby says he wants an extension and he wants to be a top five paid defensive end. Raiders say, ha, we're not doing that. They try to trade him. Well, you took a first and a conditional second for Derek Carr. What would you take for Crosby? I don't think you could get that much that much for him. Uh, he's still on the upper. He's still on the, on the, uh, the upswing. Um, I mean, I think you could, you could hope for a second or a third maybe at this point. But if, if he shows up, and it depends on how much you believe in the analytics, if he shows up with his PFF stats in his rankings, yeah, he, he's due for a pretty big payday. But again, he's a guy that I do not see doing that either. Now, at the end of the day, agents rule this thing, and, and money talks, and we know what walks. But uh, I, I just can't see Max Crosby being that guy either because he realizes um, how much of a chance, and, and not necessarily a chance, but, but how much support, really, the Raiders have given him as he's battled through his own uh, substance abuse problems and, and uh, alcoholism and things like that. They've been there for him as well. Um, I, I don't see him. I can't see any of these guys necessarily holding out. But then again, uh, I never saw a little Mac doing it either. Well, he is Paul Gutierrez of ESPN. Paul, thank you for speculating on the offseason. Awesome us. stuff, man. Yeah, a lot of speculating. That's, that's, that's the season, right? <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. So Take there is time. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Oh. Speculating's fun. What would you trade Max Crosby for right now? Like if if there I don't know was... if you get a one for a defensive end, would you? Well, you'd, there's a couple defensive players on the line that you'd get ones for in the league. He's not one it's, of them. It, well, it's kind of what Paul said. It's what do you believe of Crosby? Because like he had eight sacks last year, which is a relatively small number, right? That's not like a. I mean, it's a good season, but it's not like a. Oh wow, this guy unbelievable. But he was top ten in pressures, and Pro Football Focus had him as the number two defensive end in all of football. Like. It kind of depends on do you believe that's him? The pressures in the pro football focus ranking are going to continue to be him and the sacks are going to come? Or do you believe, oh, no, he's he's an 8-9 sack who guy. And, and that's that's good. There's value right. in that. But you're not you're not giving up two ones like they got for Khalil Mack to get the guy who's going to get you eight sacks or whatever. So Paul gave up a one and a four, which could be a conditional, which could rise up to a two for Carr. So I would assume... Because uh, Paul knows that team as well as anyone that p- the the you know supposed Pittsburgh offer of what they might give up, it'd be automatic. It'd be significantly if better get, if you two get two ones. ones then be much better. You're moving them. Be much better. You might throw in Max Crosby if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take him too. It'll be fine. No big deal. All right, coming up next. 
oh, it's kind of depressing. We're jumping into baseball and like Major League Baseball owners are like, yeah, we're just not going to have a season, guys. That was a, a family text. Juwan is very remorseful. And uh, today is a little better than yesterday. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Go to our website, lvsportsnetwork.com. Find the banner in the middle. It says Mountain West Tournament on it. Click on it, and all you got to do is register, and you can win the VIP package worth up to $1,500. You get tickets to every game. You get free parking. You get access to the hospitality suite. It is an uh, excellent package for the Mountain West Tournament. Uh, so just register on our website, and you could win that. We will have tickets to give away later in the show. Uh, for a session at the Mountain West Tournament, so stay tuned. Um, we had an interesting report in Major League Baseball yesterday. Uh, this is from Evan Drellich. A Major League Baseball spokesperson said tonight that if a deal is not in place by February 28th, regular season games will be canceled. Quote, a deadline is a deadline, the spokesperson said. Player pay would not be recouped, nor would those games be rescheduled. What? I'm wondering, as we said yesterday, I'm wondering as Max Scherzer gets out of his Porsche and Garrett Cole gets out of his sports car, how much the representatives of these players are going to hold out for the ones below them or if they're just going to say, if they believe this deadline is a deadline, they don't want games canceled, they don't want pay taken away, that what will happen is what we've assumed that will happen all along is the owners will just win out. There is no way that's a real deadline. You're telling me. That if they could, let's say they come to agreement on March 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, like whatever, like within a week of this February 28th deadline, you're telling me that on April 1st, when the season's, season's supposed, supposed to start, start, yeah, we're just not going to play right. for a week because, ah, well, we agreed on March 3rd, not February 28th. No chance in hell. This is the most illogical argument that anybody's made as well. A deadline's a deadline, and we're going to miss a week of games if it takes us a week to a, another week to agree to this. False threats? Absolutely a false threat. Now, there is a there is an actual time, right? If they don't come to agreement until March 18th, right? then sure, you're not playing in two weeks, but they set a deadline of February 28th. And in all seriousness, if they agree the very next day, what this guy is saying for Major League Baseball is, <laughs> we're delaying the season. We can't. We could figure it out by March 28th, but March 1st, no way. Absolutely, we can't figure it out, how to get ready to go. I can't believe Rod Manfred is making himself a spokesperson. I can't <laughs> believe he's he's out there saying, hey, hey, Evan, <laughs> I've got something to tell you. We've got a deadline. So, like, here's what that is. That statement last night from Major League Baseball spokesperson, it's it's a threat is what it is. It's an, it's an empty threat. And it's Major League Baseball trying to create more leverage at the moment. It's Major League Baseball trying to say, listen, you got four days now. If you don't agree to what we want in four days, you're going to start missing games, right? And when in reality, they come to an agreement by March 3rd or 4th or whatever, like there's going to be games at the normal time. They're going to figure out how to play games. We are not going to be sitting around missing a week of games because, well, it took us three extra days to agree to this than the deadline we set. That is one of the most illogical things yeah. that has been said. And all I think it is is for them to try to create more leverage than they already have, to be honest with you. It's it's more leverage than the owners already have. Yeah, and they always have the is. most leverage anyway. Right. And so that's where they're coming from. Because what we have seen is 
just the smallest incremental advances of getting to the no. middle. It hasn't right? come to the money yet. Where, yeah, well, well they've talked about they've the money. They've talked about like, money, but it hasn't been agreed upon. The players want that pool to be $100 million. Right. The owners offered $15 million. And then it was like, oh, well, what about 95? Oh, we can do 20. Like, right. like we're doing these small incrementals. And Jeff Passan tweeted out yesterday, these are the differences in the, in the main sort of monetary issues they're, they're uh, arguing about. Uh, the pre-arbitration bonus pool, there's a $95 million difference, which is the pool I was just talking about. There's $95 million between what the players want and what the owners are offering. The minimum salary for players, there's a difference of $135,000 per year, right, per player. That the pl- the I owners, can't believe they can't get to that middle ground. That the players want, what is it, 800 or 750 yeah, and the owners, and the are, in the owners are in the 600s. Right? Yeah. And then the competitive balance tax, which is the luxury tax, right? How much they pay over. There's a $31 million difference between what the owners want and what the players want. And those are the main, like, if, if all of a sudden all those three things were suddenly agreed upon, there's still some other smaller details. But if those three things were suddenly agreed upon, all the other stuff would Take care pretty of quickly right. get, get uh, agreed to. But that's been the issue is that they're they're just making small incremental like negotiations here. Like yes, there can be a universal DH. <laughs> and so what Major League Baseball's owners are doing is they're saying, listen, we're tired of these small incremental things. This February twenty eighth deadline that we arbitrarily set, if you don't meet that, then we're not gonna have a season. And so they're trying to get the players to make an even bigger concession on these things and come closer to their actual offers rather than just each of them creep in by whatever, 5 million or 10,000 every single time it happens. But how can't you solve this minimum salary? Come on, come on. I know. When you're 35 and 50 million apart, okay, it's going to take some doing, but come on, the minimum salary for a player? Right. Go in the middle of that and it's over. Right. You'd think so. Come on. You'd think we'd have that figured out. But that's the thing, they won't, either side will go in the middle. That's what they won't, both sides are staying like, well, we'll we'll take 5,000 off what we want. Come on. As opposed to just being like, all right, Right in the middle, let's make the offer. Because they're afraid if you make the offer right in the middle, you get a counter offer that's in the middle of that. And then you get screwed.